Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Drunk Friend Podcast. As always, we are your host. I'm Travis. Way out here in Virginia and across the country, way over there in the desert, is Alex. Alex, how are you doing today? Hanging in there. Uh, you know, just got through uh, the Scooby-Doo video that posted today. That's uh, It was kind of a rough game for me because it's, it's a little <laughs> slow. It's a little... You know, made for kids. Not really my thing. I did like Scooby-Doo when I was growing up. Did you like Scooby-Doo? Yeah, I watched some Scooby-Doo. I, I never could guess the end. I was a stupid kid. I always assumed it was a ghost. <laughs> I was like, this time it's definitely a ghost. It has to be. Nope, it's always the janitor yeah. or the... It's like, it can't always just be white dudes. It's a pr- <laughs> At one time, it has to be a ghost. But no, the game looked really good. I, I like You pointed out, but uh, they did a really good job making it look graphically like scooby-doo yeah you know they they did a really nice job with that with the visuals and the color palette too uh really fit i always enjoy that like with x-men games it's one of my favorite things about the genesis x-men at both x-men 1 and 2 is that uh, they just nail the color palette so the characters really look spot on Mm -hmm. scooby-doo does kind of the same thing which i which I enjoy, but you've got uh, an interesting video posting tomorrow. Is do you want to give it away now? Well, I guess this is posting after it. Yeah, aired, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But it's about Doraemon. It was a longtime manga and anime, I guess, going back to like the '60s. Yeah, dude, he's super popular in in Japan, I guess, or at least was at some point. I don't know. He, he, I think he's still relevant. I think they're still putting out Doraemon stuff. I don't know if the kids are bought in, but. He has a long-standing history as the uh, blue robot cat that just leads kids on adventures. I guess I don't know, but there was a there was a couple Famicom games on Doraemon. The only reason I chose this one was because when I picked up my Famicom, it was a game that was included, and uh, I've always been kind of curious oh. about it. So I used that as an opportunity to to kind of force myself to figure out what was going on in there. Yeah, as you saw in the video, not particularly great, not terrible, but uh, a little rough around the edges. But there you go. That's Doraemon. Well, fortunately for you, it's English friendly, so you yeah. don't really need a patch to play it. It's not totally necessary. I thought it was interesting. I like games that mash genres together. You know, I think it was shoot 'em up and platforming, or no, not not platforming, uh, top down action style stuff. So I think that's always uh, interesting. I like when games take structure chances like that. Yeah, for sure. And it actually, it felt like it was because there's three different levels that all felt very differently. And it almost feels like three different groups of people <laughs> made each section because he handles different. The the enemies behave completely differently in each one. So it's a, it's a bit of a weird uh, experience uh, for a game. But no, I agree with you. It is. It's nice and varied. So it's not all bad. Right on. And then by the time this podcast posts, uh, my video on Pilot Wing 64 will have posted and uh very interesting to revisit that one because it's it's not that it's aged well it's that the genre it's in has aged well you know relaxing games where you don't do a whole lot like uh, the best example now is animal crossing which is massively popular Mm -hmm. saying that you don't do anything in animal crossing is probably doing the game a disservice uh (laughs) because it makes it sound like you know what is it like seinfeld the game or something like that it's a game about nothing all right (laughs) <laughs> uh, but pilot wings, you know, it's still stressful in a in its own way, where it's really really challenging, and it's tough to get the hang of. Especially, I I keep calling it a helicopter in the video, but I think it's actually a a gyrocopter or something like that. Mm. But be very friendly when they correct me on that. 
Yeah, it's it's still really difficult, but it's so chill because the music really adds to it. You've got unlimited attempts to get the highest score you can. It always keeps the highest score. So yeah, it's a well-made game. It's in certain ways, it's really aged poorly. You know, it's N64. There's gray fog everywhere. It's, you know, all the usual complaints that come with N64. It sucks to play on the original controller. In other ways, it's like the perfect game to just relax to because it's just really chill. Right on man and so you were mentioning like it's it's kind of difficult were you able to get the hang of it like did practice make perfect the hang glider i was able to get the hang of pretty well the rocket pack too uh that one's got some really tough challenges in it where there are some rings that you have to reach that are really tough to get to but the the rocket pack is pretty easy for anyone to pick up. that's the most like pick up and play friendly vehicle i guess you would call it the copter no the copter i suck at that's that's nothing new though. I've 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 always I even say in the video I've always sucked at pilot wing games, <laughs> and that that was no exception. So when you if you're pitting uh, pilot wings on the Super Nintendo and pilot wing sixty four head to head, what's your choice? I think I would go sixty four. Honestly, I do like the the Super Nintendo one, but it's just too damn hard. And I don't like that you have to do three completely different events to progress with the game. Like you have to do skydiving biplane and rocket pack whereas in the n64 game you they're all separated by by vehicle all the events Oh, okay so that's much much more player friendly i think anyway but uh anyway we've got some uh, emails here that we want to get to we've got a little bit of a long one here from jay he says hello trav and alex i have been following the podcast since i first saw it announced on snus drunk's youtube channel and it's one of the most relaxing parts of my week thanks I usually listen to it while playing a retro game after everyone else is asleep. I am an early riser, but have gotten in the habit of staying up late once or twice a week just to have some alone time. I can relate to that for sure. It's something I started early in COVID when I started working from home and lost the time to myself that I used to have during my commute or during my lunch hour at work when I used to listen to a podcast and find a place to read alone, respectively. I've been meaning to email for a little while, but... I had a hard time finding your contact info, but in the latest episode, the drunk friend email was mentioned in the first five minutes, and I quickly jotted it down so I would be able to send this note. There hasn't been a bad episode yet, but let me particularly thank you for the Mariachi Entertainment System episode recently, as besides being entertaining, that gave me a fantastic addition for my music rotation. It's not my first time hearing Mariachi and video game music together, Close to 20 years ago, in the early days of ordering online, I got a copy of the Japanese-only Jazz Chrono Trigger album, The Brink of Time, and practically wore out the disc in my car's CD player. If you haven't heard it, (laughs) check out the Ocean Palace theme, and he has a link here for us. Uh, Before I close, I do have one question for Travis. Having dug into your Polykill archives, mostly looking at 2019 and 2020, I've heard you mention your job and your recently completed PhD, congrats, many, many times, but I have haven't heard you mention your actual area of study or what kind of work you do. I have a full-time job while being in graduate studies as well, so I'm also curious when I come across another academic, especially one not, I think, working in academia, and fellow says he works in a high school himself. If you prefer not to get into those details, though, I understand. It goes on, keep making podcasts and videos, and I'll keep checking them out. I think you two have a good thing going. Thanks for what you've both made so far, Jay. Thanks for the nice email, Jay. That was really cool to read. Yeah, thanks, Jay. I appreciate that. I, I didn't. I wasn't aware that I talked a lot about my job, unless I just say I hate my job a lot when I'm on <laughs> Polykill, which is 
which is actually possible. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to answer that. I have a PhD in industrial systems engineering from Virginia Tech with a focus in human factors, engineering and ergonomics, which is all fancy lingo to say it is basically design, the design of anything through engineering with the human user in mind. So a lot of that is, you know, human user interfaces. It can be how well knobs and buttons represent what they're supposed to on a, on a control system, uh, or it can be how to make a chair comfortable. It can be all of those things. So it just factors the human into engineering. But what my job is specifically, uh, I do research at an automotive transportation research uh, institute and transportation in general. And so basically finding ways to make the roadway safer, make vehicles safer for drivers and users that can come in the way of making lighting better on the roadway for people to see at night or making certain features of the vehicle more safe or, you know, any number of things. Any way you can tweak the transportation domain for the human user is is basically what I cover. So that's pretty much it. It's really boring. I can't wait for one day to maybe do something else, but for now it's what I'm doing. So I do still work in academia and, uh, thanks for asking though. A lot of people are interested in that and you're probably asleep. So, uh, <laughs> if you're, if I put you to sleep, I'm sorry. What would you say your favorite part of your job is, but, but, and you can't say logging off for the day, uh, probably r writing episodes of polykill <laughs> and tales of the lost community go there <laughs> uh or episodes of nest friend no i guess you know to have a legit response probably the the design of the studies that we get to do i get to design like how they work how the participants are going to interact with mm. the things that we're testing and those kinds of things so there's some control uh what i don't like about it though is is the amount of work and the uh the time crunch that comes along with that but hey that's life that's work mm -hmm. but uh that's that's just part of it do you have to do a lot of bug testing like you have to break it first before you you make sure that it's a it's the correct solution does that make sense um yeah not really because i think a lot of the times the way that we're we're operating is that someone says we have a problem that needs to be solved and so we're just trying to solve the problem so someone's already found the bug oh i, I see okay okay yeah that makes sense but thank you Thank you, Jay. So we have another question here from Zachary. Uh, he says, the ending of SNES Drunk's video is what I actively share as an example to my associates on how to end their calls in our call center in spirit of good customer service. I had a new person join my team and I totally called out the way they watched your videos because they were already ending their calls on it. Hilarious. Any lines ever stuck out to you from folks in your life that you find yourself adopting? I mean, how many times do I quote Bob Ross in every single podcast that we do? At least once, it seems like. Not just podcasts. In our DMs, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's at least three or four a day. <laughs> yeah. He's just fine. He's one of my heroes. I love how he phrases things. He's got a good out. He always had a good outlook on things. You know, happy accidents is one of my favorite, favorite phrases. One of my go-tos. Love that guy. What about you? Yeah, so I think I'm a huge podcast listener and for a long time was very stiff about the way that I would communicate things or transition or talk to people. Like even interviewing people on this podcast is kind of anxiety soup for me. Thankfully, there's two of us, so I feel like if it went south, we could take them. But there is there is some part of me that's very like reserved about that. And so in listening to podcasts for the last few years, there's one podcaster in particular that I end up, I borrow a lot of his I guess just mindlessly steal or soak in a lot of his phrasing that's good for like transitional segues or just kind of filling space. 
and he's on the last podcast network so he does a number of podcasts like Abe Lincoln's Top Hat he does political stuff he does Kind of Fun which is a sports podcast his name's Ben Kessel uh, he's a big goofy guy he's about seven foot tall but he's hilarious I've actually had the chance to meet him he just has these little what I would call Benisms and it's really kind of difficult to explain but the way he'll like transition with a all right like it's just kind of the cadence with things and I've just kind of soaked that in I've really paid attention to the way he does things and it's sometimes it's the really small stuff that I soak in because I'm like that's what I kind of need to add to my repertoire of of podcast isms and that kind of thing so I don't have any particular phrases but I probably am just a smaller chubbier version of Ben Kissel in some ways are you ever not thinking about podcasts and thinking about recording and coming up with ideas <laughs> and stuff like that does it ever end unfortunately no and that's a lot of that is because if you if anyone has been paying attention to the polykill sphere lately we've we've had some new shows come on we have our friend Michelle if, if you're a longtime listener you remember she would she was one of the first people that would write into the show and say nice things and then she got so entrenched in what we do. She has her own podcast about alcohol coming out. And so I've been helping her wrangle things and get things going so she could be on our little network. And we have some other friends doing another podcast. So I'm constantly, if it's not my own podcast, I'm helping other people <laughs> launch their own things too. And, and I, I love being a part of it. It's a, it's a good creative outlet. And it, because it's a low bar of entry, I feel like I actually can... <laughs> can help people our entry. what are you talking about this is this is hard work yeah you just need a microphone and a mouth that won't quit yeah, and that's what we got blood, sweat and tears over here jeez <laughs> hard yeah yeah all right should we get to the main event here all right so i guess to preface this what we're what we're doing here this is our top and because alex for some reason loves the number 13 in his countdowns we're doing the top 13 nes games that are still playable today so it's not necessarily my 13 favorite nes games but i had to as we agreed put on my objective hat and say okay Let's not be biased toward what childhood has entrenched us with. Yeah. Let's let's think objectively. What would other people enjoy? Yeah, it was kind of a challenge. I'll be honest with you, man. There are um, there are a lot of NES games I wanted to put on this list, and thirteen was not enough. It was really really tough. I have a list of thirteen more that I could have very easily put on here that I was very upset about leaving off. But yeah, go ahead. Okay, so my number thirteen, and it's it's going to maybe surprise you that it's this low on the list. But let's remember top thirteen. I'm going to shoot my wad here on the Mega Man series, oh. and I'm going to put Mega Man 2 at number 13. You've got 12 games better than Mega Man? Come on. Well, see, I, kn I knew you were going to say that, and uh, I have to admit, I am not the biggest Mega Man fan. Even even though I've played a ton of them, beaten a, bun beaten a bunch of them, they just weren't a big a big thing for me, There's but they're so influential. There's so many games that saw that Mega Man recipe and, and tried to copy it or add it to their game, so I definitely appreciate Mega Man. Mega Man 2, though, is has got to be one of my favorites, if not, well, obviously it's my favorite Mega Man of the NES, but it's such a great game. So much better than the first game, and even the ones after it didn't really measure up for me, so I really liked 2. Well, believe it or not, I, I only have one Mega Man game on my list, but... Uh... What? Yeah, we'll okay. we'll get to that. But um, all right, my number thirteen is GI Joe. Oh, I love that it's five playable characters, and then you eventually unlock a sixth one. Uh, you pick three guys to play through each level, and you can switch between them at, at will. I love that. I love games that allow you to do that. Every character has really distinct abilities. I love that too. Even if Blizzard kind of sucks as a, <laughs> he's not very fun. <laughs> 
but Snake Eyes is awesome. Even Duke is awesome, but um, I always get Duke and Hawk confused. Is it which one is the, like the head guy and which one is the playable? I can't remember. I can never. Those guys look too similar. Yeah, I don't remember, but I do enjoy this game. I I am. I mean, I considered it, but it's just it's really good though. It's maybe one of my favorite. I mean, is are there any other GI Joe games besides like the the other one on the NES, which I don't think is great at all, and the and the um the arcade game that you you yeah put the, on your... I was gonna say the arcade game. Uh, not that I know of. I know PS3 and PS4 has uh, a couple more, but I'm not familiar with them at all. Right on. Yeah, it's surprising to me now that I'm talking about it that there's so few GI Joe yeah licensed and games. What I yeah. love about this one is that it just fits the GI Joe universe so well because it's got so much. You know, it's got all the ridiculous dialogue and, you know, lots of explosions and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's super fun game. Absolutely. Uh, okay, my number 12 is Little Samson. Mm, okay. Yeah, so this one's kind of tough because not a lot of people have ever played it with the cartridge because it's super duper rare and expensive. Yeah. And it, and it's probably more expensive than it is rare. And I've only ever played it on an emulator. But, you know, it's, it's ter in terms of like rare games, I mean, obviously it's not worth what it's going for, but it's not a bad game. You know, it's not one of those junky rare games that's just rare because they made six of them and they sucked ass. <laughs> this one, they, it's actually a really decent game and it's, it's a shame there's not more of them. But in that one, you can play as four different characters, each with their own little, gimmicks uh so little samson has his own uh he's like a quick small character he can he can throw stuff and then there's a dragon who can fly a little bit there's a golem who's just kind of a big and bulky character and then you're the mouse and you can fit through like little holes and 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 jump really high and that kind of thing so it's it's another one of those kind of like the gi joe game where you can switch back and forth between the characters to make it through a stage and it ramps up the difficulty pretty nicely too it starts out with its own tutorial level so it lets you play with all the different characters and that's how you bring all the characters together and then it, it kind of opens up the game and it's like all right now you have all the characters go fight do whatever and it actually gets kind of tough but it's one that unfortunately because of its rarity a lot of people won't get to own but you can still play it if you know what you're doing so i confess i haven't spent very much time with that game at all so uh that that's one i need to get into uh, take a deep dive into yeah it's fun who makes that game is that a konami uh that was developed by takaru i guess oh. and was published by tato 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 <laughs> so it's uh <laughs> so it's it's it was a late release too it was a 1992 release yeah. so that's the reason why it's um yeah it's very it's another one of those that's very inspired by Mega Man though it's in the it's in that Mega Man pedigree so right on so my number 12 is tecmo super bowl i i don't even know what else to add to this game you know other than you know all sometimes all you got to do is say the title and it's like yeah. that's that's what it is. I just love the the extra goofiness that comes with the with the game though. They weren't satisfied just making uh, a sequel to original Tecmo Bowl. I love the injury stuff. I love the injury yeah. music. And it's like, oh no! It's it's like the earliest version of you know how Fox uses like the piano version of their their theme song when when a player is injured and it sounds extra solemn. Yeah. Like I, I think I like to think that Tecmo Super Bowl kind of inspired that. Yeah, for sure. And of course, there's uh, Bo Jackson. It's super fun to play as him and just destroy everyone. And I love that each team has their own playbook. And but conversely, I hate that the Vikings playbook is awful. It's full of <laughs> trick plays and like Anthony Carter end arounds, and it just doesn't. Ugh, I hate. 
I I love that team. Uh, I it's got like Hassan Jones. I think Wade Wilson's either Wade Wilson or Rich Gannon's the quarterback. I forget. Yeah, it's a super fun game. Love it. So yeah, Tecmo Super Bowl is my number twelve. All right. So my number eleven is going to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three: The Manhattan Project. So this is the unsung third entry on the NES of the of the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise, and by far the best in my opinion. It is. It was released. I think alongside the the two Turtles games that came out for the Super Nintendo and the Genesis, so Hyperstone Heist and Turtles in Time, and it shares a lot of those levels. In a way, it's like the you know it's the NES version. It, and the NES version has its own levels, and they're sort of reordered, sort of like the, all three of those games were kind of like the same but different. And uh, this one's really good. It's just a side-scrolling beat 'em up with the turtles. It's actually kind of long, which is good and bad, I guess, for a side-scrolling beat 'em up. You know, for the NES, you you kind of were excited to have a game go a little longer, but I mean, it can push 90 minutes on a good run. So it's it, there's plenty of game here, but it's got all of the you know all of the the krangs, the bebops, the rock steadies, all that stuff. Really well animated, looks nice, fun to play. Yeah, and it, it's it's a really good sequel in that it really polishes up. Uh, you know, everybody loves the second game, the arcade game, but uh, yeah. it's it's kind of jank here and there, whereas uh, the third game, I think, is uh, has a little more polish. One thing I liked about it is that that move that you can do where you, it's like a simple, f- where you just flip the enemy over, and it's like yeah. a one-shot kill, but you can't do that too much because then you get gypped on points, and then you it's harder to get uh, extra lives or extra man. <laughs> man, gotta get your man. Gotta get your like man. My dad would say. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I I always kind of liked that that balance there of uh, yeah, you can spam your way through this game, but you're still gonna lose lives, and it's smarter to go go for uh, more uh, I guess uh, elaborate combat to get more points. Yeah, right on. Yeah, and it's a fun couch co-op time too and it's it's still amazing to me you know i there's a lot of people that you know maybe aren't nes enthusiasts but certainly are fond of those days that don't realize this game even existed for the nes sure. by this time they had moved on to the you know turtles in time and, and certainly those are great why not move on to those but for the nes this was a, a sneaky uh but good game right on so my number 11 is Gargoyles Quest 2. And I just love this game. Uh, it does a great job escalating the challenge the more you play. It's just really polished, really well made. You see, It seems like you're overpowered at first. This is like, wow, I can fly anywhere. I can do all this stuff. But the game gets pretty dang tough later on. Uh, the controls are spot on. I love how, how uh, everything feels effortless like there's practically zero mm-hmm. learning curve despite all the stuff you can do it's definitely what i wish demon's crest was for because demon's crest to me is a big time disappointment gargoyles quest 2 though i love that game yeah that's a good choice uh that may or may not come up later for me so mm. i'll i'll save my opinions uh for then uh my number 10 Blades of Steel. Ah, okay. Yes. And again, it was hard for me to fight off nostalgia for a lot of these. So I had to think like, okay, universally, is this game still, would people still enjoy it today? And actually, I played it not long ago, and it's still just the time of my life. I even played the Game Boy version, and that one holds up pretty good. Like, it's just a good recipe because it's... You know, it's not overly, um, you know, in terms of hockey, it, it, it makes it really arcadey, really fun. The music is so good. 
and it's super intuitive uh with you know switching between you know passing shooting and then also defending at the same time like it's just so good man and even the little commercials for konami games uh in between the periods and there's so many good touches to it i just love it i kind of have another funny story about this one my neighbor had it before i had it so he was a little older than me and uh actually he was like six years older than me and he had his buddies over and they were all playing this and i fell in love with it as soon as i saw it i couldn't wait to to play it and i later my parents picked it up after i begged for it but i remember asking to come over to his place i'd be like hey jason can i come over and and i I called it Buns of Steel one time in front of him and his friends because, you know, there was all of the, like, it was, you know, the 90s workout craze and everybody was doing Buns of Steel. And I must have had that on my brain. And, and boy, they never let me live that down. So uh, on the bus, on the school bus, they would always be like, hey, how's it going, Buns of Steel? Which, buns of Steel. Yeah. Now I'm trying to think of a Buns of Steel NES game. What would that be like? Yeah. Like Family Fitness or something. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so what is the announcer saying when you pass the puck? Like, oh, I I don't know that I've ever known. Because it's like, dup, dup, pass. I, I think he's saying, like, get that pass or catch that pass oh, or something. Yeah. But it's that's always been one of those weird quirks I've never quite been able to figure out over the years. That's true. There's also, like, there's a whistle or, like, a crowd sound after you score that earworms into my brain. So it's like... It's like a wee wee woo yeah. wee woo, and I, I to this day I sometimes just have that in my head. Right, I'll be mowing the yard, and that sound will just kick in <laughs> in the back of my <laughs> brainstem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love I love when you uh, score and you're you might be trailing in the game, and they mix up the music on you with the da 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 da. Oh yeah, love that. I love little touches like that. It's full of touches. Touches, lots of touches. The game, yeah, it's a very touching game. Um, <laughs> are we on number ten? We are. My number ten is Guardian Legends. Oh, nice. It does such a good job blending two genres together in a way that makes sense. Where you you've got the shoot 'em up, you've got the exploration, top down exploration. But it fits into both modes fit into the story. It's not like, oh, let's let's, you know, novelty. Let's cram these two genres together and see if it works. It's like, no, they they go together perfectly because of the story. You travel through these tunnels inside the planet and then you get to your destination to unlock the next corridor. And the story is really cool. I love how it starts where you, you get the classic message where it's like, if you're reading this, I'm already dead. And uh, <laughs> I love stuff like that. It's like very 80s action movie. And it's made by Compile, who made some of the best games ever, like Blazing Lasers, uh, the Aleste series, mm-hmm. uh, all that good stuff. So yeah, love Guardian Legend. Yeah, and this is where I have to have to shamefully admit I've not put a lot of time into this. I'm familiar with it actually. Our friend of the show, uh, Pam of Cannot Be Tamed, is a huge fan of that game. Yeah. I've seen her video on it, so I'm I'm completely sold on it. Uh, it. I just haven't had a chance to to sink my teeth in, but I like what I see, like what I'm hearing. Yeah, the only thing is it's got one of those like password systems that kind of suck. But mm. other than that, it's it's very 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 good. Nice. Uh, my number nine here is Jackal. Ah, I was. That's one of my. Uh, "Quote unquote honorable mentions." Nice. It's one that I uh, I find myself recommending to people over and over who say, "I just found my NES, and what are some good games I can play with my son or with my with my wife or whatever?" And it's such a good intuitive two player romp. Even single player, you know, it's fine. 
but you know it's one of those i can always recommend for people to have a good time if they want to get a game that they can actually get through and finish uh, there's not many of those on the nes that you can do kind of casually jackal's kind of one of those that you can at least get close or at least get confidence that you can eventually so it's it's very approachable very accessible and again man just for two players it's one of the few games i enjoy to play just over and over with people yeah right on the game doesn't get any easier with a second player either it just gets crazier. Yeah, it's true. It's uh, it's sometimes with when you have a second player, the game feels bearable. But in Jackal, that is not the case, and and I think that's a good thing because then you're both like screaming at each other, and, and <laughs> it's good. To, yeah. It's good times. Yeah, it's always. I like I like games that are uh, you know, you're a uh, uh, it's co-op. So that's yeah. one where you know you're both kind of working together for the same goal, and yeah, it's fun. Speaking of co-op, my number nine is River City Ransom. Oh, man, nice choice. That's a two-player co-op, and it's amazingly, it's kind of, sort of, open world, which yeah. which is crazy for an NES game. But, uh, yeah, it combines two of my favorite things, where it's like an action RPG, but it's also a beat-em-up. And I love the incredibly goofy vibe it goes for with all the crazy expressions when you're beating up these guys. <laughs> I love the, the barf, yeah. you know, and all that, all that sort of stuff. And the game, it, you know, it's very smartly, very intelligently put together, because the enemy AI actually, like, blocks your attacks. You can't just, like grind your way through the game by just mashing buttons you do have to pay attention and make sure that you know your stuff lands um and it was made by technos japan and they knew a thing or two about beat-em-up since they did double dragon of course it's it is kind of grindy and this might have the absolute worst password system ever it is absurd with like numbers and capital letters lowercase letters and it's like 42 characters long or something like that it's (laughs) it's it's ugh but barf, as they say. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's it's speaking of, yeah, two-player co-op, this is another great one that's awesome to play with a second player. Yeah, it's it's very unique, too, because not only is it co-op, but and you mentioned it's a beat-em-up, but it's also essentially like an open-world RPG. Like, you are grinding, you are yeah. going to the shop, uh, you can go to the to the sauna and see some 8-bit booty. Um, <laughs> you can do all kinds of cool stuff in this one. Yeah, I, I like it a lot, and, and River City Girls uh, is very faithful to that River City formula from day of old so if, if anybody wants to pick that up on like the switch or something i had a, a lot of fun with it and uh it feels like a perfect modernization of an old franchise so i enjoyed it yeah i definitely need to get on that river city girls for sure yeah yeah uh okay my number eight kirby adventure kirby's adventure aha yeah so it's definitely one that i think is lower on my list in terms of if i were to rank my favorites but if i'm recommending people to games on the nes it's definitely one I always mention because sort of like Jackal, it's very accessible. It's not a, going to abuse you. It looks great. It plays great. It, again, it's a late game for the on the NES, so it came out a little bit later. So it's the NES had time to stew and get pretty good at what it was doing. And so, and it's made by HAL, published by Nintendo. So good pedigree there. Uh, but what can you say about Kirby? It's it's the one that you know kicked it off. I guess it was after the Game Boy one, but. Mm-hmm. It certainly kicked off, you know, some of the home console popularity of Kirby that we we still enjoy today. Well, that game's on my list, forthcoming. So, but yeah, no, you were talking about this uh, earlier on uh, on DMs where you you said like if it just what you said where it's like yeah this isn't my favorite but I respectfully have to put it on the list just because it's that good. Yeah, yeah, it does a lot of things right. I mean, if you you can look at it and appreciate the way it looks, like the way it plays, I just don't. I'm not a huge fan of Kirby because it's just not that challenging to me. It's not that interesting. Right. But you can't knock it for what it does. So, well, my number eight. You might think this is a little low. 
but it's Contra. Wow. And that's it's another two-player co-op game. Uh, it's really it's such a simple game, but it still manages to be really challenging. It's a great speed run game, which gives it tons of replay value. And I like it better than Super C. I think Super C is a little too hard. That might just be me, uh, and I might just suck. But Contra's always sort of agreed <laughs> with me. You can't beat the spread gun. Yeah, I don't not much else to say. I mean, it's freaking Contra. Um, it was also a great uh, arcade port for the time. They really nailed it, whereas uh, a lot of arcade ports fell flat on the NES, but that one did not. They did an awesome job with it. Yeah, Contra is forthcoming for me as well, but uh, I think it's I think it works pretty good right around this region of the list. Sweet. Yeah, so my number seven, and this might actually be mildly controversial, but again, I'm trying to break, break the nostalgia, uh, not only for myself, but maybe trying to convince others, is DuckTales two aha so so the first one is the one that everyone remembers and, and played because they could afford it <laughs> ducktales 2 is is worth you know you you could buy two refrigerators for the cost of a ducktales 2 <laughs> these days but back in the day it, again a lot of these great games some of the greater games on the system released late no one saw it now they're rare now they're hard to get but they're still good so ducktales 2 i think improved on pretty much everything in ducktales 1 i mean if you like ducktales 1 you'll love ducktales 2 even everything like using the cane is easier it's a it's one less button press you, you don't have to i forget how that works but i just remember it being a little more fluid um to use that use the cane to hop around which is a, an addictive mechanic i mean what's the point of not ever hopping around you just hop around constantly in that game on the cane <laughs> It's it, the levels are a little bit longer. It, it all makes a little bit more sense the way it's arranged. So it's definitely my choice between the two Ducktales, and it's a, it's a great game. Have it's, again, I have not spent that much time with uh, Ducktales too. But I do love the first Ducktales, but that's you make a good point about sequels. Though, if I were to do a top thirteen SNES games list, most of those games would be sequels. It'd be like Donkey Kong Country two. Uh, Mega Man X2, all sorts of you know uh, Yoshi's Island and stuff like that. So sometimes it seems like a dev team just gets in a groove and you know it's like how can we make this game better? And uh, they take what's already a solid foundation and polish it up even more. Yeah, it sounds like that's what Ducktales 2 does. Yeah, yeah. And so far, it's you know looking back so far, I have you know Mega Man 2, TMNT, yeah, three Ducktales 2. So yeah, the the sequel, it's not always the going to be the most popular game like most people are going to be like oh i love ducktales i never played ducktales 2 so therefore ducktales is my favorite but i mean if you played two i think you'd change your tune it's pretty good right on so my number seven is crystallis nice and i love this game it's way ahead of its time it's an action rpg with most of the stuff you'd expect from like a 16-bit rpg from you know your typical jrpgs that would come later and really, what I like about it is that it's really fast-paced. Your character moves very quickly, which can make combat kind of tricky at times, but you're not dawdling around. It doesn't take forever in a day to, to get from one area to the next. It doesn't take forever to complete dungeons or anything like that. I really like how, how fast the game is. And it's got a really cool story that's told really well, which is not common for 8-bit mm -hmm. games in general and the way it's told is awesome because you got to keep exploring and talking to people to fill in the blanks and to understand what the heck is going on and what happened to you and what happened to the world yeah I, i've been meaning to play through that one again actually i really enjoy that game so my number six is one that you mentioned already contra and uh yeah what can you say about it man i love it it's great high action Folks, if you haven't seen Summoning Salts, our guest last week, if you haven't seen his video on the Contra speedrun, 
race, I guess you would call it. It is it is super entertaining. You might look at some of Summoning Salt's videos. You'll see it's an hour long, and you'll be like, I'm not going to sit here and watch something for an hour. It is riveting. Like he, The way he structures this video is super entertaining. The hour will fly by. Oh, yeah. You just have to, you'll just have to take my word for it, I guess. But yeah, it, it'll make you think of Contra in a whole new light. I've been interested in, in going back to that game as well, just to see if if I can try some of those tricks and see if they work for me or if I just suck, which is a strong possibility. <laughs> yeah. And more on his videos to what Alex said, the time does fly by on those, but you'll, you'll also come away with a stronger appreciation for speed running. If that was always outside of your wheelhouse, because that's what happened to me. I always thought speed running was just kind of like this whole different, and it was kind of like a Fortnite people. I'm like, that's a whole different group of people doing a whole different group of things that I'm interested in until I watch these mini documentaries of his that I'm like, wow, that's now I have my favorite speed runners. Yeah. And uh, I get really invested in, in what the, what they're up to. But yeah, Contra, I mean, I, I guess the only thing that kind of knocks it on this, on this list is that to be a universal list of, Hey, these games are great. It is on the harder end. It, it just takes practice. It's all memory for the, for that kind of game. And I think once I figured that out and actually took the time to to settle in and, and actually learn it, it's such a great game. And Super C isn't, isn't too different, but I agree Contra is a head and shoulder above it. I refer to those games as pick up and die, where yeah. you just you just learn. There's, there's only one way to learn the game, and that's to die. And then you understand what made you die. Don't make the same mistake again. And yeah, games like that can be frustrating, but they can also be extremely rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. Like, in fact, when I decided one day a couple years ago, I was like, I'm going to finally beat Contra. I'm tired of it always being the, the game I had as a kid that I just didn't never made it far on. So over a two-day period, I went from honestly probably losing all of my continues in the first three levels to no death running it just by first doing the Game Genie code and going through it that way and maybe two or three times and then it's kind of scaling down using the konami code where you get 30 lives and then it's being like oh i made it to the end with 30 lives you know maybe it took me 10 or 11 runs but in that two-day period i eventually didn't die at all so wow and i'm not great at games that was the thing so it was very rewarding to be like i actually just practiced my way to beating contra and it it was like it was kind of cool so if if i can do it on contra anybody can do it you you know so give it a whirl sure yeah that's i took the same approach to super ghouls and ghosts where I was just parole was like no you're just not playing this game right well here let me show you and (laughs) sure enough like yeah it's there is a method to this game's madness and it works so yeah hell yeah my number six is Castlevania 3 Dracula's Curse speaking of really tough games yeah that might be the that might be the knock on this game uh is that it is really freaking hard i i'd say it's even harder than the first castlevania for sure it has so much going for it though with the branching paths you've got multiple playable characters it captures that castlevania vibe better than the other two games in my opinion just the lore and the art design the music is awesome yeah and it's a perfect game for this time of year too that's right that's a good point yeah that's another one that i have to to declare as an honorable mention because I had it in and out of my list and I did knock it down because I'm like, I think it's just yeah. aggravatingly tough to some degree with the knockback especially. But yeah, the music is fucking awesome. The it, Visually, it's great. Yeah, there's there's so many good things about it. It's, it's another pick up and die game for me. Yeah. You, you got to just learn from your mistakes and make sure to not do it again the next time. And then you find <laughs> the next mistake and die from that and et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. So my number five, and it's it's probably going to be a surprise to anyone who knows me that it's actually this low on the list. But again, 
I feel like I have to keep qualifying it. This is an objective thing. So Legend of Zelda is my number five. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And the obscureness of a lot of what's going on and the, uh, you know, some of the dated ways that it sort of operates, you know, in terms of what to do and where to go. I think maybe knock it down in terms of being approachable and universally accepted, but it is like so rewarding to find things on your own. It's full of discovery. The music is is great, and all, every, almost every piece of that game lived on to be sort of a feature in Breath of the Wild. Like it's a recipe that has staying power. So I certainly love it. And what is what else can you say about Legend of Zelda? I mean, yeah, it's it's awesome. It's awesome. My number five is one you already mentioned, and that's Kirby's Adventure. Maybe the best visuals on the NES, if I had to pick one game that had the best graphics, hmm. I think it might be that one. Okay. And th- there were lots of games back then where you earn abilities by absorbing an enemy and whatever. Like Little Nemo is like the most prominent example I can think of. Mm-hmm. L- a lot of games did that sort of thing, but I think Kirby's Adventure did it better than any other game. And it's fun to just get... It, it, like you said, it is easy, but at the same time, there's something super satisfying about getting so overpowered and you just destroy everything in your path. And the level design does a good enough job of matching your abilities to where it's not a total cakewalk, but it is still, it's just, it's just fun. I love, and I love finding out what the ability will be. It's like, Ooh, what could, what could this be? You know, it's, and it was the first Kirby game to do that too. The Game Boy games did not do that. So at least I don't think Hmm. they did. Yeah. It was uh, best visuals, uh, really kicking soundtrack i love the kirby vibe in the music it's like super upbeat without being obnoxious yeah that's my number five nice nice good choice you make a good point about being overpowered and being able to dominate because that's that's not a thing that many nes games ever allowed you to do <laughs> right and so it right. was just kind of nice to take it out on the nes for once kirby <laughs> right, let me do it yeah uh so my number four one that you've already mentioned and one that i think might have the you know not a competition between kirby or whatever but some of the better graphics on the system and that is gargoyles quest 2 wow. uh i i think the the backgrounds and just the how responsive and everything that game is to what you have to do because you're basically hovering and you have like a limited hover meter and you're trying to deftly maneuver and muscle for rank like in that cake song and <laughs> fight all of these ghouls and, and it, i don't know man it's just so cool the vibes of it and the look of it the feel of it everything's great and the game boy version is also very similar and very solid so i agree that demon's crest was a slight bit of a disappointment but it also looks awesome so this yeah these three uh that whole series extremely metal to look at like the uh it kind of has the ghost uh, well it's from the ghost and goblins uh franchise it's a spinoff so yeah it definitely has those vibes but somehow the game with the gargoyle spewing fire on the cover is uh, a little bit easier than the one with the guy in his underwear on it <laughs> who'd have thought yeah very strange uh dichotomy there Am I using that yeah. word correctly? I don't, I don't know. I maybe. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> also, the bosses look look sweet too. They're just ah, it's so cool. <laughs> All right. So my number four is Mike Tyson's Punch Out. There it is. I think it's a perfect example of what Nintendo does best. They take a really simple idea and just put tons of goofy personality into it. All the different characters, everybody from poor old Glass Joe to Super Macho Man, Mister Sandman, uh, Soda Soda Popinski. To Mike Tyson himself, really. Um, yeah. It's just another great speedrun game. Again, not to toot his horn <laughs> again, but Summoning Salt has another great video 
on punch out that will uh make you appreciate the game even more i just love how simple it is it really is just pattern recognition but the patterns get so freaking elaborate and so fast that you really need to be like on your a game 100 percent to even get to even beat guys like super macho man seeing speedrunners just like take that guy out like he's nothing is just <laughs> just blows my mind he is so tough like and that's before you even get to mike tyson but yeah. yeah, I love that game. I love Punch-Out. I love all the characters and all that stuff. I love that Mario is the referee. I always got a big kick out of that for some reason. But but yeah, love Punch-Out. Yeah, Mario's like a foot tall for some reason. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that one too. I, I have to say it was an honorable mention somehow. Oh. And yeah, I know. I think part of it too, I was like, uh, I swapped it out with Blades of Steel like last minute because I was like, I don't know, this is a pretty good hockey game. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I've 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 sweated through my shirt with all the anxiety this list has given me, and I hate you for it. Do we have to? T- we have to take halftime. Yeah. Right now, it's change and uh, have a a pep talk from our from our coach. I think if we did this again a month from now, they wouldn't oh, be in the same order. That's absolutely. The, that's the thing. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a couple I'm stewing over that I wish I could put on here somehow, in particular. Yeah. But yeah. So my number three is Gun Neck. So you mentioned oh. Compile earlier, and you mentioned Blazing uh, Lasers earlier, which is the same developer, and it shows Gunnack and, and Blazing Lasers are very similar experiences. Uh, if you've not played Blazing Lasers on the TurboGrafx-16, it's maybe one of my favorite games in the whole system. Gunnack looks great on the NES. It is super fast, super smooth, shoot up and again, it's one of those that came out super late and is very expensive. It's the damnedest thing, but it's so good. And maybe, and I, I actually, I'll say this with confidence. I'm pretty sure it's it's the best shoot 'em up on the system. Space shoot 'em up for sure, if that's what you're, if that's your bag. It's actually loosely related to Xanak, which is a little rough around the edges and released uh, about five years before. But uh, Gunnack is, oh man, it's just so good. That's such a good pick. That just. That's one of the games I was stewing over on not including, but that is, yeah. I don't, you know, I can't blame you for putting that as high as you do because it, it really is that good. It's fantastic. Yeah. Compile knew what they were doing. I don't know what, why they were so much better than like every other developer when it came to like cramming as much stuff onto the screen as possible. Like they had some sort of magic elixir that let them do that. Whereas like certain other games just, struggle like crazy they try and pull off the same tricks that compiled can do effortlessly somehow yeah that's a good point and i guess they they released a lot of stuff on the did they go to the super nintendo as yeah well? they they just did um space megaforce which is uh, okay. part, part of the alest series yeah yeah because they kind of fizzled out after a while i guess but uh yeah like you said they knew how to make things f- like fast and not slow down like many nes games were known to do right my number three is Mega Man 3. Oh, the third one. I'm going 3 over 2. I just think in 2, and this isn't, you know, 2 is obviously a great game. 4 is obviously a great game. I th- I think in 2, the weapons were a little bit too overpowered, like especially the Metal Blade. Mega Man usually boils down to is the match between your abilities and the level and enemy design. If those things need to match and be in step with each other, and I think Mega Man 3 just did that better than every other Mega Man game, especially with the boss weapons in this game. And and especially, this is something that's like kind of weird, something I don't hear mentioned very often, but the ratio by which your weapon meter depletes 
like they didn't let you abuse like say the magnet missile which is obviously an overpowered weapon but you you know one missile took a, a big chunk of of the meter so you couldn't mm. abuse the hell out of it whereas with metal blade you could use that thing all freaking day <laughs> and and to like zero consequence but yeah no i just i like the character i love shadow man gemini man uh magnet man and and the weapons you got that badass shadow man ninja star was so cool the gemini man laser that bounces off of walls and uh i think it's the best uh of the six on the nes interesting i find that to be very interesting i i didn't know what your choice would be here i always knew you were a mega man guy you have a good memory for you know you probably know all the weapons and all of the bosses and and the recipe for beating all of them so i think it's interesting to hear a, a mega man aficionado speak with authority on this i wouldn't consider myself as such i'm i'm one of the plebes one of the many that think the second one is better but to be fair i can't really separate a lot of them out in my head because a lot of it kind of runs together i think i beat them all sure. within the same few years so that's interesting that uh that three sticks out the most for you that's that's very interesting to me you know what it is about two i think that sticks out for most people i think the soundtrack in two is head and shoulders above any other mega man oh. soundtrack it has so many catchy tunes and like bubble man's theme it's just immediately like, oh, God, it's like every single track is and games didn't do music like that back then. You know, it sounded like rock, like a rock right. band was in your NES jamming out. <laughs> but um, and yeah, Mega Man 3 soundtrack is still good. Snake Man's theme is so badass. The yeah i could go on all day <laughs> about mega man but <laughs> yeah Me uh, three i think is just better put together not to say that it's flawless because it does have some big time slowdown issues at, at certain points of the game and some flickering issues yeah I, th I just think three has a better balance of level design enemy design and mega man's range of motion and, and all his abilities even with all his weapons and i think they did a nice job uh with the preserving your weapon you can't abuse them well like you could in the second game interesting okay very good yeah i i probably need to replay through them again to be quite honest with you maybe not the first one though who's got the patience but the uh second one and third one for sure right on need to refresh myself number two for me Tecmo Super Bowl. So you've already talked about it. It's wow. high. It's high on my list. It's very high on my list. Wow. And I it's think, high. yeah. And I think it's because it kind of is a universal favorite. I think this this is a game that appeals to people that also don't play sports. It's widely known. It's memed. It's pop culture reference all over the place as a sports game, which isn't very common. And uh, I think it it set a big precedent. It's got great music. It used players' names. I mean, it did everything right. There's not really a complaint about the game, to be honest with you. It's fun two-player. It's fun single-player. It has seasons. It's so cool. You make two really good points here. Number one is the music. I didn't even think of that. It's got such good music. There's something about Tecmo. When they moved their franchises from the NES to the SNES, their music sucked. And it always oh really yeah it doesn't it just doesn't uh, sound right it, like they did it with Ninja Gaiden trilogy where the music just sounds bad uh -huh. it's like what are you guys thinking this is terrible but yeah same thing with Tecmo Super Bowl when they released the the Super Nintendo edition of that the music just wasn't as good it wasn't nearly mm. as good in my opinion but um and that's the other uh, the other big point you made was the uh, the fact that you don't you don't have to be a football fan you you may not care about football. 
and uh, I'm sorry, American football. We don't want to offend <laughs> our uh, Euro friends or Correct. our South American friends. <laughs> exactly. But, or our Asian friends, for that matter. They might say football. We don't want to offend any friends. <laughs> no, nobody. Please, please don't kill us. Um, but yeah. The, even if you don't care about sports or football, this is still a fun game to play. Yeah, absolutely. So my number two is Super Mario Brothers 3. Oh, coming in at number two. So, yeah, and it's this is one of those games where it's like, what else could you possibly say? It blew the yeah. doors off the system when it came out. It was way, 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 way ahead of its time with the with the overworld and all the different themes. That's still my favorite part of the game. I always like to compare it with Mario World. And that's one major advantage it has over Mario World. There are all the different themes each world has. Like, who doesn't love, like, the giant world? Like, that's so... Fr that, what a trip that was to see for the first yeah. time. It's so freaking cool. And even, like, the desert level, at the, the, the second world, like, that's fun. The music yeah. matches it and everything like that. And uh, God, that game gets hard at the end, though. I, I don't know if it's just me. I never hear that game mentioned as being hard. Oh, I think it's tougher. You have to like repeat that one section and Ugh. it's like the ship or something or like yeah. maybe you're in hell. I can't remember. But yeah, that that's tough. You're basically in hell. Yeah, both figuratively <laughs> and literally. Yeah. The, the thing I can't stand about Mario 3 is there's just too many auto-scrolling levels. I cannot stand auto-scrolling levels and I can't stand when they keep doing them. Uh, I just, you know, because when the screen keeps going, I think AVGN mentioned this and it's such a good point. When the screen keeps going uh, and you can't keep up, it's like, what kills Mario? The screen? Like, what in his <laughs> world has killed him? It's, it makes no sense. I, it always drove me crazy. Yeah, I just cannot stand the auto-scrolling stuff, and that's the one advantage I will, will always put uh, Mario World over Mario 3, because Mario World doesn't have nearly as many auto-scrolling levels. Good point, yeah. And this is a good segue, because Mario 3 was my number one choice. So just continue to talk about it, I guess. But <laughs> right. what do you like best about it? Um, actually, everything you covered pretty much all of it, and I, I, I feel goofy trying to praise it because I feel like we don't really need to on this podcast. I felt really yeah. stupid trying to tell people I was like, "Legend of Zelda is a good game. It's got Zelda in it. It's got Link in it. Swords and stuff." <laughs> it's like, yeah, people know it's it's awesome. But I think for me, the thing that sticks out is just how big of a leap it is over its the two uh, predecessing games. You know, it's over um, the original yeah. Super Mario Bros. And, and Super Mario Bros. 2, which was just a completely different flavor. And this comes out, and it just kind of knocks your socks off because it, it looks almost ready for the Super Nintendo in a lot of ways. And it's, it's very deep. I, the music is great. Yeah, there's just so much about it. I think, frankly, just is more than you would expect on the NES, and Nintendo just over-delivered on Mario 3, and um, it's great. So... That brings me to my number one, and it is Deadly Towers. No, I'm just Boom. kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, I always got to do that. I always got to go for the, obvi <laughs> the, the obvious joke. No, I got to go Legend of Zelda as All number right. one. All right. Good deal. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's another one of those... You know, you talk about uh, Tecmo Super Bowl, where you don't have to be a sports fan to enjoy that game my opinion in my opinion with legend of zelda you don't have to be a fan of video games to get into legend of zelda i think it's a gateway game it always has been to get people into games because it really is just like here take this you, you don't you'll need it what the hell's the line i can never remember what he says there it's dangerous to go alone take this yeah and then you're on your own and it's you and you can explore anywhere or almost anywhere 
and you just got to figure stuff out as you go. The game is, with a few major exceptions, the game is reasonably intuitive, except for stuff like the the what wait, that bush that you have to burn in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that and grumble grumble guy. You, you grumble know. grumble guy. Yeah, yeah. hungry Gariah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah there, that that's definitely a it can be a deal breaker for some people. But and plus, it's just it's almost like a. T- I I love the action in Zelda games like that because it really is like a top down beat 'em up. Like where it's just you and a sword, and you're just hacking away at stuff. It's pretty simple. Yeah, um, absolutely. And there's there's not any issues with like hit detection or any of the anything like that. Yeah, you can only move in four directions, but it's not that big of a problem. The game does get pretty dang hard. Of course, it does. It's the NES, especially when you have to deal with those damn dark nuts. Oh, those things. The whole room yeah. of them, the blue ones. Oh, the kill blue me. ones. They, if you run me. out of bombs, you're screwed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know it's fun, man. I I talked myself out of putting this putting that game higher on the list, but I was like, no, you're just nostalgic. You love it too much. You just need to think about it as as a as an objective, reasonable human. So I'm happy you put it there. Um, so I kind of feel guilty that I didn't now, but it's, <laughs> it's such a great. That's game. how I was with Mega Man. I I wanted to put it number one. Uh, Chris, I wanted to put Crystallis way higher. So let's start talking about our uh, the the ones that were hardest to leave off. Yeah. If if you had to name a few that were just s- slam your fists in anger on your desk, or I don't know, made made you frustrated that I suggested this for a <laughs> for a podcast subject. What what would that be? Uh, well, we we listed some of them. So Punch Out, I wish was one that I could have found a place for. I feel like there was another one that we mentioned that I was sad that you, that you actually mentioned, but I didn't. Uh, maybe Guardian Legend, Blaster Master is one that I really enjoy that I hated. Yes. That I had to leave off. There's some yes. pu- puzzle games that I think are great, especially on the NES. They're probably you know improved upon later. But things like Dr. Mario and Tetris, those are great yeah. NES games. Yeah, Dr. Mario is... I think when we got the NES Classic, I think the most playtime we have on that is with Dr. Mario. Yeah, exactly. And there are some that probably wouldn't have made the list. They're always going to be sort of on the outside looking in, but some things like Kickle Cubicle or Adventures of Lolo, some of those games that, that are really well made, they are just they just don't have the oomph to, to land them in a top spot. But just some things like that come to mind. What about you? I think the hardest one for me, I really wanted an excuse to talk about Gimmick because that's a PAL region exclusive. That that game is, is just way too hard, though. Do, do you know which game I'm talking about? It's the one where you play as that little green guy and you create a star projectile and it bounces around and you use it as a platform, you use it to destroy enemies and stuff. It's really, really good, but it's <laughs> so tough. Yeah, um, I've, I've not had a, a chance to play it myself, but I'm I'm aware of it, yeah. Yeah, that was that was on the list for the longest time, but it got bumped at the last minute. <laughs> Man- Maniac Mansion was another one. Bubble Bobble. I didn't have DuckTales on my list, which uh, I was like, how can I not have DuckTales on that? Like, <laughs> that, was pro- that was really tough. Um, one game that doesn't get enough love is Vice Project Doom. That's a good one. That's yeah. that's an awesome game. That's it's kind of kind of gimmicky where it it's uh, throws three genres together, but it it still works. It's really interesting. Gunnack was another. I wanted to put a shoot 'em up on the list, but uh, wasn't to be. And of course, there's like Batman, Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, I'm surprised Batman, Batman wasn't on your list. 
I just I think it's it's just too hard to recommend. Like that Joker fight is just stupid, unfair, and that, <laughs> and and there's like some some enemies in level three that just hound you to death that give me nightmares still. So maybe it's personal, but I do love that game. It's such a such a reward to beat. I'll, I'll I would say all three of the Batman games on the NES are are pretty fun, but the first one is the bomb. Um, there was another one here. Oh yeah, you mentioned River City Ransom. That was one that I was sad that I didn't fit in. And, uh, you know, Metroid is one that I think it, it loses a lot of favor with people because it's so obscure and so hard. But that's another one kind of like Contra, where once I, like, honed in and just settled down and focused on it and made it the thing that I was going to do and, and actually beat, I got so familiar with it. I kind of became one with it and really appreciate it. But I definitely understand why a lot of people kind of shy away from listing it very high on the list. All that game needs is a map on either, you know, on the pause menu or something. It just needs a map. Yeah, that's true. And uh, if it had if it had a map, it would be top five for me. Oh, right on. Yeah. But otherwise, it's just, you know, I don't want to be drawn all this crap and I have no idea. Everything looks the same. I don't know where I am. Have I been here already? I'm going in circles. Yeah, it's too... There, there are ROM hacks out there that help you out with, with having an, even an on-screen map. It's a little tiny one, but even that helps. So, yeah. yeah. And Bionic Commando might be another one. That'd be the last one I would toss out as a top 20 or so game. Just for the ending alone. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. The exploding Hitler. You can't beat it. Yeah, I guess I, I, I really wanted an excuse to put two Mega Man games on there, but it was, it was not to be. <laughs> I do. It's funny though because when we were coming up with the idea sometime in the middle of last week, you're like, just so you know, it's none of this one sequel bull crap. If I want to put all six Mega Men in here, I'll do it. And I was like, oh god, the first <laughs> six are going to be Mega Man. I just know it. <laughs> I was tempted to do that, but no. <laughs> cool, cool. All right, so that's been it. So uh, now that I we've, we've been canceled, a lot of people are upset. Their favorite games weren't where they were supposed to be. Uh, that's great. Send all your angry emails, please, to drunkfriendpodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, but first, some listener questions. This one comes from Emmett. Uh, this one kind of goes to you, I think, um, but I'll answer as well. It says, besides Waterworld, what is your favorite SNES soundtrack? Besides Waterworld? Well, Waterworld isn't my favorite. I just think it's, <laughs> I just think it's awesome. It's really, really good. Oh, I might be biased because of the time of year, but Super Castlevania 4 just does it for me. It's oh, every- that's a good one. Every little piece of that soundtrack, even the little bits between levels that show the map, I love every track is just awesome. Secret of Mana is up there for me, although there are some tracks on Secret of Mana that are kind of annoying, like in the, when you're in the caves and it's you meet the uh, dwarves for the first time. Ugh. And <laughs> but um, no, the that one's up there for me. Of course, Chrono Trigger, of course, Final Fantasy Six. But I, if I had to pick one, it would be Super Castlevania 4. Good choice. I think mine's going to be NBA Live 96. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Dude, that, that opening track. It's a banger. It's like, what is this? Like, freaking Slayer? Like, Jesus. Yeah. Doesn't belong on that game. But my, my choice would be, and I don't know if I can just choose Soul Blazer anytime somebody asks an mm. SNES-related question, but I do love that uh, soundtrack quite a bit. And I should point out that my co-host on uh, Polykill, Steve, a.k.a. Blink, is uh, streaming that, or has been streaming that. Who the hell is Steve? <laughs> Who's Steve? Who's Steve? Uh, I, I, 
I'm just realizing I'm plugging it. I think he's going to finish it tonight, four days uh, before this podcast comes out. But anyway, check out Steve's streams for for future good soundtrack games, I guess. I don't know where I'm going with that. Uh, but yeah, Soul Blazer would be my choice. That's slap bass. That's right. We just need a whole podcast of you doing mouth music. <laughs> yeah, the whole podcast, one hour. So, do you guys get rid of Cool or you're just the intro and outro? The next question here is from Sean. He asks, What game would you like to see redone with a concept change? And he gives some examples here like Gyrus as a 3D shooter or Zelda as a point and click adventure game. And uh, what continues on here, uh, I would add that this doesn't need to be redone now. It could be redone in its time. Do you have an answer for this one? Uh, Yeah, I wish that Metroid was instead based in the alien universe and you're Ridley and you're just running from xenomorphs and you're trying to escape. It's like alien isolation, but it's like on the NES Ooh. and you're just running and hiding and you're finding weapons to, to launch at it to see if you can you can actually kill it or find your escape pod there we go and you barely get any ammo like the ammo you find you get like two like you find like an rpg like an actual rpg and exactly you you get like two missiles with it yeah you have to wait till they're all bunched together or trick them somehow or set up a trap that'd be sweet yeah yeah for for a second there i thought you were gonna go like i wish uh metroid it was accepted you know it would be like a fishing game (laughs) <laughs> like c- combine it with you know Zebus always looks like you know such a chill planet and it's always raining so you know there's some lakes out there g- got to be some good fishing it's just Mark Davis's bass fishing or whatever that Super <laughs> Nintendo game is yeah. featuring featuring Samus there you go that would be smart but she's not catching fish she's just catching like weird aliens that kind of look like fish <laughs> featuring Samus and Knuckles <laughs> v- versus SNK what else can we cram in there yeah mine would be uh i I, i've mentioned this before i think i mentioned it in a video actually but it would be link to the past but i just want a game where link pisses off the chickens and then he just dodges chickens it's almost like a shoot 'em up and he's just flying around using you know his uh, sword projectile shooting chickens and dodging them as they fly at him like crazy nice so. I feel like that could be like a Doom mod. You're just <laughs> your first person Link walking around shooting your sword at, at chickens. Somebody Dude, do it. Get on it. Somebody get on that. Yeah, I would play the hell out of that. Doom chicken. Love it. All right. Well, thank you for that question, Sean. And uh, I guess that wraps it up, man. It, it actually turned into be uh, turned out to be a pretty beefy episode. I was worried we'd go through 13 NES games rather quick, but we had a lot to say, and uh, I thought it was a fun episode. I like these. We should try to figure out a way to do something else kind of like it. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people out there that we got to piss off. So, you know, we, we got to <laughs> deliberately leave their favorite games off our lists. That's right. Uh, because we're personally trying to spite them. So uh, and it, it, that takes some time. That doesn't happen, you know, overnight. It's going to you got you got to let that uh, crockpot stew for a while. Yeah, I know somebody right now is already titled an email, either Final Fantasy or Dragon Warrior. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to delete them. We're not even going to read those. <laughs> That's right. Neither <laughs> of us had those on there. It's I, I cannot do 8-bit RPGs. I just can't. I, I, I Dragon Warrior 4 is pretty good. I'll, I'll say that. But uh, top 13, no. Yeah, I appreciate them for the stone cutters of the genre, but don't get me wrong. But yeah. uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put them in the top thirteen of games that you can enjoy 
today. Uh-huh. I mean, no. you, you maybe you can, but I, I am not that kind of person. Yeah, no, me neither. All right. Well, I guess that does it. Uh, just a heads up, though. We are uh, we're taking a break uh, for next week. Alex has got some stuff going on, and uh, I podcast too much, so I'm just going to take a break. And uh, we'll be back uh, the week after with uh, a new episode, maybe a guest or something, if we can wrangle one in. So just letting you know. And uh, so for today, that's been another Drunk Friend Podcast. As always, please reach out to us with either questions or comments at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com. We might even read it out here on the show. If you want to hear more podcasts from our crew, please check out polykill.com and poke around. And hey, if you got nothing to say in an email, even after we just badmouth Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest, no worries. <laughs> you can still contribute to the podcast by rating and reviewing it wherever you listen. It helps us out a lot, and it only takes a second. Just takes a second. You can find us all on social media. I'm at uh, Traplays Games. Alex is, of course, at Snestrunk. And the music you heard at the beginning and right here at the end was composed by our friend Coolor. The theme song is called Electric Star Bounce. And you can find a link to more of his music on the Buzzsprout podcast page. And if our logo has you thirsty, you can thank Josh Leslie for that. Thank you, Josh. Be sure to catch us all on YouTube. And thanks for listening. And we hope you have a great rest of your day. (laughs) 